it was my first week of shooting on a new job. And, you know, I get all the costumes approved, which means I try them on the actors before yeah. I get them approved. Yeah. And that and that time when I try it on the actors is usually like our safe place to where I I find out if they like something or they don't like something. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to ever push to put something an actor doesn't like on them because like it would affect the performance and your relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you So you have to live in this world of pleasing everybody. Yeah. So that had already happened. So you think you're doing good. You have like all your costumes prepped. I'm just on the truck. Um, to make sure everything goes okay because then they're going to be on set soon yeah and then the actress like walks in on the truck crying (gasps) that uh she did not like the dress (gasps) and didn't remember trying it on and you know it already gotten approved by like producers and directors before this moment and it's going to be shooting in like I think like 20 minutes it's supposed to be on camera Welcome to The Practical Filmmaker, an educational podcast brought to you by the Filmmaker Institute and Sunscreen Film Festival, where industry professionals talk nuts and bolts and the steps they took to find their success today. On today's show, costume designer Ashley Heathcock talks the inner workings of the wardrobe department from her experience in film, commercials, and now network television. Find the full transcripts and more at thepracticalfilmmaker.com. I'm your host, Tanya Musgrave, and today we get to dive into the world of wardrobe with costume designer Ashley Heathcock, whose work can be seen in Magnum P.I., Big Sky, Venom, Bright, The Orville, and the upcoming music box film, Please Baby Please. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, this is going to be fun because I have not had anybody in wardrobe on this podcast yet. And so <clears throat> buckle up because I got a lot of questions. Okay. <laughs> I feel so honored. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For all of us costume people out there. <laughs> yeah, you got to represent no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so let's start with how you got to where you are now. All right. It's a pretty lengthy story, so I'll try to sum it up. But no I I studied fashion. I didn't I didn't study film or costume design. I do know that that's available now for people in college. And it, it probably was when I was in college too, but um I was drawing clothes in high school yeah. and someone suggested fashion design. So that's what I did. And then um I graduated from a university in London, met some extraordinary people there. And then wound up in Austin, Texas, post-college, worked for a local fashion designer, and then eventually worked for a local designer in New Orleans. Yeah. And it was at the time when the New Orleans film scene had started to get pretty big. Okay. So I was hearing about it around town, like Treme was shooting there and other movies. And then it was like the first time I was like, wait a second, you know, I wonder if all these skills I have would transfer over to who is ever putting clothes on these actors? Yeah. And then um, I sent my resume to probably every production email and heard nothing, as we all know how that goes sometimes. <laughs> I got to love this cold email. And I was like, I don't understand. I have like a fashion degree. Not everybody's going to have that. And, um, you know, it's just they get so many emails. So I, I randomly met a producer in the city and I just I knew he was a producer for some reason. And he was impressed that I knew he was. <laughs> he was yeah. like, how did you pick up on that? I'm like, I don't know. And then I was like, so tell me, how do you get in? How do you get into this industry? Is it all who you know? And he said, it is kind of like that. You know, sometimes you do just need an invitation. And uh, he did not know me at all. But I was like, you know, could you please, um, you know, let your costume person know that I would love to be an intern, you know, not even a paid position. Yeah. And somehow 
talked to the costume supervisor into, I mean, I don't know if he had a twister arm or not, but she was open to interviewing me. Yeah, and that was yeah, my yeah. first interview. And that was 12 years ago. How did that go? I was so nervous. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say in that kind of thing? Like, like in order to get your actual first break onto a set, because right. I looked at your IMDb, you started on some pretty good stuff. <laughs> some of it, some, yeah, some you never heard of too. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. Um, well, she was very experienced for like, you know, local supervisor yeah. and had worked her way up too. Yeah. And I mean, I brought my little resume in, which had my education on there and some internships. And she was impressed with, I think I, well, I almost got onto Project Runway, almost, you know, always a bridesmaid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that was on there because I had made it down to like top 50. And I think that was like the biggest conversation starter we had. Mm. And then um, she was just like, I like you. I'm going to take a chance on you. And we'll, yeah, we'll teach you everything that we can about how this business works and how it works in costumes. Amazing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she also told me, like, taught me a lot about unions too. Okay. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, how to join and basically things to look out for when you're on other union shows and you might be taking advantage of as a PA. And um, yeah, so I went from intern to costume PA mm-hmm. and then to seamstress to fitter to age or dyer, set costumer key costumer, assistant costume designer. Now I'm a costume designer. (laughs) Okay. 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 So for those who are just starting off on this, like, can you give me an example of like the different terms? Like you, you said like costumer and like age or dyer and that kind of a thing. Um, And I think you had mentioned stylist before. Mm -hmm. What are the differences between all of these, (laughs) these uh, terms? Good question. I mean, a lot of the times you will do some of the same things a stylist will do. Um, which I guess the biggest difference for me is probably like the type of media it is. Like if it's a commercial or music video, you're more likely to be doing stylist work. Okay. Um, mostly like the biggest difference for me, and I could be wrong and I bet other people have like different definitions for this. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, costumers and costume designers work towards a story, right? Like there's a lot more behind the character. And then um, as a stylist, it's, I think it is really more of like a visual a goal that you're trying to achieve with like other people there, like the art director there. And that's more of like print work or short term, like short media, like music video, okay. where like, it's more about the imagery than the story. Okay. So so okay. that's to me, that's a major difference. Is that does that? In, I'm guessing that like stylist is more like you're like more just kind of like shopping for the right look and costume designing. I mean, are you mm-hmm. actually designing? Like, I mean, you like you, right. you graduated with fashion, so like, are you creating these pieces? Are you okay. like or just modifying or a lot of modifying? Okay, sometimes you do create things. You do design something, you know, from like that part is what I love, you know. Yeah. From like sketch to actualization and it's on a body, you know, like that's very fun and you get to use all of like those creative skills. But a lot of times you kind of are curating and when you do that, you do everything from like shop it, you dye it, you can change the color, you change the fit of it, you might change out the color you know, like you do so many different modifications to make it right for the character. So that's still kind of fun too. 
And then normally, yeah, stylist, you're probably, you know, going more for like whatever the look of the shoot is than, than just, um, than building the character. Uh, But, um, but we still steam clothes. We still do a lot of the same things (laughs) in there and last look. Um, and then, you know, the length of the job is different too. Stylist gigs are pretty short. Costumer jobs could be, they could be short and they could be like six months. Some films, six months. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like big, big budget movies. That's normally like, that's like half a year, you know? Yeah. I had a very random question like pop into my head. So what happens to these clothes afterwards? Because I, you know, I I had a friend who worked at a place that took all of the old props and, you know, that kind of thing. And like they, they, they sold, it was a warehouse that sold old props and stuff like that. Is there something like that for costumers or do they just like, well, it's Goodwill and, you know, that kind of a thing or are they kept do they go to the production like do you do you handle that do you have to wash them and like get rid of them or what is what um, happens to them yeah sometimes I am a part of rap so, so like we have big rental houses like props has as well okay costume rental houses especially if you're like on a period shoot yeah you yeah I yeah. do like a big rental pool so yeah. then all of your rentals will go back to that rental house but whatever normally how it goes is like whatever's purchased for the studio that will like, it's their property. And sometimes they have like, like the Fox lot has their own costume shop. So it could go back there. Okay. Okay. And Sony has one. um, But sometimes on smaller stuff, when it is it, like it's a smaller um, company, you know, like Mm -hmm. an indie film, they might sell it off or they might donate it for a tax write off. Okay. okay. It kind of varies. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So the one thing that I've had stuck in my head that I learned from a costume designer, I'm sure people are tired of this single fact that I know. I'm sure they're begging me to learn something else. It's like the rule of three textures. And I see it everywhere now. Like, and when I, when I look at costume, it's just combining at least three different textures, like metal, fur, leather, cotton, everything, you know. Is there a rule of the trade that you've kind of picked up like that? Something that you always look for? Oh, um, I think everyone has maybe like uh, a signature to what they do, you know, like different costume designers. You might, could you give me an example? Well, for me, you're going to always see texture and I happen to be wearing something with texture. Yeah. I also mix a lot of patterns too, you know, um, if I'm allowed to, it depends on the story. Yeah. And the job and then other designers, you know, maybe they only do sci-fi you know, which is a pretty cool category. I feel like sometimes work begets work. So like you have to maybe Mm -hmm. start out in sci-fi to keep getting them. But as a growing designer, I don't, I don't know if I have the luxury of like choice, you know, I kind (laughs) of see see what presents itself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It says in your bio that you honed the aging and dying process on Dawn of Planet of the Apes. And we actually have a listener question who asked for some good tips for that. So I don't know. Give us your best. Is it or is it like an industry secret? Are there lots of them? Oh, <laughs> I, I love to share. I, I don't, yeah. you know, I think our secrets are always evolving, mm-hmm. meaning like you're always going to pick up something new from somebody else. And maybe it's a different way of doing the same job. Yeah. So like, I love to share because it's you know, I'm going to learn from other people on the way, Yeah. but, um, aging and dying, uh, right. So there's the dye work, 
where you can change the color, you know, mm-hmm. many different things. And that has a lot to do with like what a garment is made of textiles, mm-hmm. what's natural, what's not natural. And there's different dyes for different types of textiles. That's, you know, that's like a skill all on its own. You have to be really good with color, especially mm-hmm. if it's already a base color, if it's not white and it's yellow and you're trying to, you know, push it red, you know, you kind of have to think about all these different colors you can add to an existing color to make it red. Mm-hmm. And then there's the uh, aging section, which is, you know, making something look lived in or making something look like a hundred years old, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to make it be as authentic as possible. And I yeah. always suggest to any young age or dyer to look at reference photos, photos mm-hmm. of things that do actually read that period or that age, mm-hmm. or if it's, if it's burned, like, you know, look at, try to find fibers that have been burned. Um, and then I probably do things, you know, more like of a natural pattern. You, you want it to look real mm-hmm. and there's a lot of shading involved. And I'd say, uh, you know, you can get this airbrush kit at Harbor Freight mm-hmm. for like $90 and it has a compressor and an airbrush and yeah, it's not the highest quality, mm-hmm. But it worked just fine for like learning on it. Yeah. And if you're ever working in, like I've worked in a lot of small towns randomly. Yeah. And you need you need an you know an airbrush. All of a sudden, you, you know, there's yeah. always a Harbor Freight. You can just yeah. there's not always an art store, but there is always a Harbor Freight. <laughs> <laughs> so it's paint, like a lot of the aging yeah. and the stuff. It's not like somebody just like went and ran it under a car or something like that. I don't know. So funny. I mean, I've heard stories of like directors doing that on, you know, maybe some of their first projects and then they're like, Oh Lord. And then there's tire marks, you know, Um, because that would happen. Um, You have to kind of sand it and you have to think about um, when you put it on where your fingers are hitting, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, like the weight of things in your pocket over a long period of time. So when you're aging it down, you might, you know, put weight weights in it, and then you might hit it with some sandpaper. And then, you know, once you brush back some of the fibers, then you probably come in and put some shading and then you come in and put some highlights. So you, yeah, it's like a multimedia process, which is really fun, you know, and really hands-on. But uh, how long does one piece usually take? the process of it it depends on what you're trying to achieve um for like general like let's just say we want someone to look really down and like maybe they haven't you know washed their clothes in a week Mm -hmm. or so that doesn't take very long Mm -hmm. but um you know if you're trying (laughs) I worked on a project where like they dug someone up and (laughs) yeah uh, that had been in the ground in Louisiana you know mold yeah for a long time. And so I had to make this gown look like it had been in there. And that's, you got to use your imagination because yeah. not really any images of that. So <laughs> no, <laughs> or ones that you would want to see. No, no ones you want to look at. Yeah. A lot of that's like pulling out the saturation. You're like wanting the colors to fade. Yeah. You know, and if it's silk, you know, it would start to dry rot. You have to kind of make that effect. And then, wow. you know, on that particular project, I made something that looked like mold. So it had a little bit of a, a texture to it. Wow. Wow. The flocking, <laughs> you know, that the, the flocking things that people use, I guess, when they're making small models of houses and it might be how the grass is made. It's like this. Oh, fibers. Wow. That, yeah. It's, it's, 
it's a, you'll find it at Joanne's. So I got some of that and then I just airbrushed it to like the right colors. Wow. Look like mold. (laughs) Wow. That is so cool. I always thought it would be really fun to just like assist in, in like wardrobe costuming, like art, you know, that whole entire thing. I I would have a blast. Someone would probably have to drag me off the set just like, okay, this person is a little too excited. You probably love the aging and dying shop. I feel like that's definitely where you combine art and the medium of clothes, you know, it's like together. Yeah. So What's an insider tell, I guess, the the difference between a shoddy job and a smashing job? Okay. For for aging? I mean, like aging and dying is one thing, but like even just like when you watch a film that you like that is going to win an Oscar, like what is it that makes them that and like a second rate thing? Hmm. I think it maybe be the right level of noticing the clothes, right? Mm. When you notice them too much for me, and obviously I'm in costume, so I'm looking at it really hard. Mm. Maybe it's because it doesn't belong, you know, or like if it mm. is very new or if, if it's, if two people are wearing the same color, you're like, Oh no, you know, did anybody think about that? Cause those mm-hmm. are all things we try not to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> And then for aging, I guess it would, the big telltale would be like outlining, Mm -hmm. you know, I mentioned earlier where your fingers like might touch your collar, Mm. wouldn't age just right around the edge. You would do something like a snake, you know, because that's really how you would touch something. It wouldn't just be aging the outline of something, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Whoa. It's just like the, yeah, the things that you never think about. Wow. Uh, so that's one thing for like aging and dying and like noticing things. How about on set? So what is something that somebody could do that would actually like really impress you as in, I'm going to hire you back. Like you could be my assistant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you, you know, there's all these different positions if you are wanting to be a designer, I think the best way to really learn from one is to follow one around. If you're assisting and you don't know what to do, just make sure you're always with that designer, like, cause they're going to have an idea and they're going to be like, Oh, you know, it would be really great for this fitting. And I don't have it in here. And you know, you got to be right there to know what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you can be like, let me go look for it. It's yeah. just kind of um, being very close to whatever's happening, whatever's changing. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes when we start out, we don't know what to do, but I think being readily available and just like having that like hustle and good attitude goes so far. I see, mm-hmm. I see good hustle. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, they might be new, but I'll be like, I want them back. You know? Yeah. 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 When you were talking about following around that costume designer, I, I know that there's a lot of, I don't know, um, there is a lot of etiquette when it comes to collaboration, like who is allowed to collaborate and who just needs to be silent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, when you are following around that costume designer and she's like, oh, I wish I had this. Would there ever be a a time when you could say, okay, we don't have that. I could go out and get it, but we have this, like, what if we did this? Like, is that like acceptable collaboration or is that just leave that up to her? Um, it, I think it depends on like who you're working with. I, I want that as a designer, mm-hmm. you know, there, we do have like a design team, like within our department, 
mm-hmm. where I have an ACD or a key customer. And we have a lot of those conversations. ACD. Assistant costume designer. Got it. Yep. It's just a mouthful, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. <laughs> um, I so there's a lot of talk on my team where we're like brainstorming or problem solving or mm-hmm. coming up with solutions. And so me as a person, I don't mind, you know, there might be other designers out there that might feel differently, or maybe they might want it from someone on their design team and maybe not, you know, someone in a different area of costume. Mm -hmm. The only time I don't like it, um, I'll say, is like, you have to know when you're in the presence of like, if you're on set and you can't change something and you have to have a solution I think you have to be very careful with what you suggest because you're around others, you know, and you might only have 10 minutes to fix something. Yeah. So like you don't want a lot of loud suggestions that are not feasible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You might just want to keep it contained. Yeah. And and then have a like subtle, you know, something you can do really quickly. You know, if you're in the presence of an actor too, you know, there's things that you don't want to get in their head, you know, when they're focusing on their lines or um, maybe they're having, you know, like those little camera jitters, like you, you kind of got to protect their headspace too. So that, that comes into play. How early in the process are you brought in? Oh, you know, normally. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally. Ideally um, I'm hired after the production designer. It does depend on the budget, right, um, for the movie. I've done some smaller budget films, indies, and the, the prep I had was, like, total of three weeks, which is oh. insane. And, you know, like, one week being in Los Angeles and then maybe two on location. Wow. So, okay. Those are really hard, you know. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about budget and pay on this podcast as well. So is this like a weekly rate or is this like a project rate? How, how are, how are things done in the, in the costuming? Sure. Um, for me now being a designer, I'm pretty much a weekly rate. Okay. And, um, but when I started out as a costumer, uh, it's an hourly rate normally. For a costumer, we would bring them on during prep to pretty much start like getting the clothes ready to go into the costume truck, right? So like me as a designer would probably have already done the fittings with my design team. And then the costumers would get like a week of prep to prep your clothes to go on the costume truck for either the film or the TV show. And um, making sure you have everything on the truck, like that's comfort needs too. Like you have socks and you have to have undergarments. I know it's like things you would maybe think about because it's under the costume and comfort shoes, warming coats, raincoats. Wow. That comes from you guys. That's not like an actor's assistant making sure that they have the shoes to walk in. Right. Wow. It normally comes from mice. Um, wow. Okay. Set PAs help out, you know, with the umbrellas, but I mean, I've been on shows where costumes provides the umbrellas too. When you're talking about prepping the truck, is that like, I don't know, labeling? Like this is this character on this day or, or are they just folding? I don't know. 
Well, we, we, we have like our costume trucks. Um, I mean, these are great questions. Who would know this, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Even on one. So they're pretty much, you know, long bars, like, um, two bars where you can hang clothes. Yeah. And within all of this hanging, you have, uh, characters closets. Okay. You know? Okay. And in their closets, I, I don't like to have, I mean, movies are different, but I don't like to have anything on the track. That's not, it hasn't been worn before, you know, like, because I'm doing the prepping at the office, that's where I'm fitting them. Okay. So like, I want all of the things we haven't used yet uh, for the next fitting and then the next fitting. And then as they get selected and approved, they go to the truck and then they prep the morning up and then they go on the actor and then they go back in the closet because you're going to come back to that scene or that day Mm -hmm. later because we don't shoot an order or yeah. we might have an insert shot and then you're like, you'll need what we've already shot. So that's yeah. kind of where it lives. And then we do label like those drawers, sock drawers, office supplies. Um, we have shoe bags, yeah. we have garment bags. And then we also have a little bay area that is like today's work. Uh-huh. And then in today's work, we would pull from all their closets, the costumes in, in the scene order that we're shooting, it would be like in that little area. So like okay. your days of costumes and the truck costumer would prep that. Okay. Okay. Cause, uh, or, or checking them back in or something. Cause all right, I'm watching this boy meets world rewatch podcast. It's I'm going back to my nostalgia days. And I remember Will Friedle was talking about how he, I mean, they, they were meticulous with their costumes. He said that he had gotten tracked down way later after the wrap of the show for a sock for a sock that had gone missing and I was just like how how meticulous are these situations are they that crazy um I mean I guess that sock was seen on camera that's the only reason (laughs) we would need it back right I guess I guess I have no idea but that was like they were working with Disney and they had their very specific things like I mean, like they labeled all of them. I remember that Daniel Fischel, who played Topanga, she was talking uh-huh. about in a throwback episode that they had, she was wearing Lucille Ball's shoes. Like th- those were actually her shoes that she would wear. So, I mean, they've got quite a vault back there. So I'm yeah, I'm sure they do. So yeah. for someone who's entering into this field, for their expectations for pay, where could they go to get kind of a like a feel of the, the land, <laughs> like where, like what they could expect. Sure. Um, so different unions have different websites and, um, I first started off, I'll talk about the one in New Orleans, local four, seven, eight. Okay. And it's good to know what the union rate is, even if you're going to do non-union shows, right. Cause it's kind of like a good place to know where you could start negotiations. So okay. if, you could go to their website and look up the different rates. And I do think maybe I could be getting this wrong, but like starting rate for customers is somewhere like high twenties or low thirties an hour in that chapter because chapter. Okay. Yeah. Because you have to think of cost of living is higher in Los Angeles. It's higher in New York. Mm -hmm. Those rates are going to be higher because the cost of living, but it's, so it's good to know wherever you are, wherever you're located, that if there's a local chapter, if it's a major city, bet you there is one. And you can go to their website and find out their scale rights. It's called scale, like the starting level okay. of payment. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I, for- I think I Googled that when I was like going into costumes. I was like, what do costume designers make? You know, it's all over the place. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I would be Googling. I would have no idea. Yeah. Now, now I'm going to be asking you. Uh, <laughs> so, for um, uh, you were talking about different guilds and unions, and like I, I'm curious what, like, what would it take to get into a a your particular guild or union is it a union or is it a guild is it the same thing it's both well ours is both but yeah oh okay okay called the guild it's still a union though okay you know? um okay. i don't i don't really know why um but yeah okay. <laughs> to get in the costume designer guild um you have to have credit as an illustrator an assistant costume designer illustrator mm-hmm. like Costume illustrator. Oh, okay. Because I'm just like illustration as in like Adobe Illustrator. <laughs> yeah, there's digital il- costume illustrators out there. Wow, okay. They're, All they're right. for the design guild because they work so closely with a designer. To, oh, okay. Yeah, to get these uh, illustrations done, which a lot of time, like when you're making something, you know, the actual design yeah. the stuff we were talking about earlier, Yeah, you, you will have to get you know, an image or an idea or an illustration approved before you start the construction of it. And that's oh my gosh. really closely with a costume illustrator. Okay. okay. I, I get what you're saying now. I'm, I, I, this is such a, such a new world to me that I'm like illustrator, like Adobe illustrator. <laughs> I know they have really cool jobs. I mean, they pretty much yeah. draw for a living, you know? Yeah. Ah, I wonder if like animators, there's some crossover. Yeah, there's some crossover for um I know some different costume illustrators that do concept art, oh, you know, as well. Nice. So, there's a lot of crossover with that. Nice. So, I sorry, I interrupted you. So, illustrating, you start off, you have to have so many hours illustrating and I think it's it's like a couple of projects where you have that title, mm-hmm. you know, costume illustrator, assistant costume designer or designer. And it could be, I know for the guild, it could be a music video. Mm-hmm. It could be commercial. Mm-hmm. It does have to be union work, I believe. Um, music video, commercial, uh, or film and or mm-hmm. TV. So I get, I got in on a small movie. It was union, but I was not even in Los Angeles. I, you know, got my requirements when I was living in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I applied over there with the intention of moving over there. Got it. Got it. So I, we had someone in G&E here uh, that was talking about like the dues for it. And it was like a good seven to 12 K like the dues to get into the guild or the union is wardrobe kind of in that same. It is. Yeah. It is. I remember I had to like borrow money from my sister to join the guild. You know, it was kind of like going all in on yourself. You're like, okay, I'm just going to risk it. I'm just going to take that chance because just yeah. because you join a guild doesn't mean you're going to get work from it. You know, right. Right. it just means that you're allowed to work on union shows mm-hmm. in that title that you have. Right. Um, so I don't know. Take me back to once you actually had that status, you were in the in the guild slash union, you had paid your dues. Now it comes to finding those gigs. Did you find that easier? Um, how was that process of going from like, okay, I'm here, I'm new, mm-hmm. to actually being comfortable within these new walls? Right. Well, it was, I knew it was a risk, um, even from just like borrowing money from my sister. And then then I went out to LA to like, well, before I moved there, I was like, let me see if I could get 
work. And, you know, I'd saved up some money to stay out there for a bit. And so it's, I was already a customer mm-hmm. in a union, but I wanted to grow. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like if I didn't go out to LA to try to work as an assistant costume designers for, you know, big time designers where I'm going to learn a lot. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to achieve that. And my small pond, you know, I wasn't sure. Yeah. And plus it was at the time when a lot of films were leaving New Orleans because yeah. the incentive was capped. Mm. So I'm back in LA and what my strategy was, and you remember, like I mentioned hustle, mm. I really made a list of every single costume designer I had worked with in New Orleans that was from Los Angeles that I felt like I had a good rapport with mm-hmm. and just text him and was like, can I buy you coffee? Can I buy you lunch? Mm-hmm. And this was like maybe even six years for me, not even speaking to a person, but I just was like, what's the worst thing they could say? Yeah. Probably, probably nothing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, I did, I did actually like kind of rekindle a lot of those relationships. And mm-hmm. then I just let everybody know that I was there and that I could work as an assistant designer, but when you're new, nobody, that's a big position to be in control of, you yeah. know, cause you're kind of like co-captain of a, of a ship yeah. and, and it's hard to start out. So like, I was like, or I could be an additional assistant designer, mm-hmm. which is kind of like extra help. Mm-hmm. So I got, I got hired as an additional assistant designer for some of the American horror stories because I had worked with that designer in New Orleans gotcha. and that really helped. Yeah. And then um, that was on the Fox lot. Yeah. And then, you know, I worked with them and their shopper and then their shopper would take me to the other costume houses, take me to the fabric stores. Mm. And that kind of started to help me get my bearings for working in Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. So where do people who don't necessarily have those like six year old Mm kind of connections, um, where do people find other costume designers or resources like like Twitter's huge for screenwriting Mm -hmm. communities, you know, um, but how about for the fashion wardrobe costuming department? Sure. I think social media is a great place. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was just trying to become a baby costumer in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. a designer that I worked with in Los Angeles, I messaged her on Facebook before she came to New Orleans and, you know, was like, so impressed with your career. I'd love Mm. the opportunity to work with you and learn from you. Yeah. And then eventually I did work with her. You know, I don't know if it was from that message or if it was. Well, that started it for sure. It wasn't going to happen without it. (laughs) (laughs) I get messages from, you know, young people interested in costumes, maybe getting out of college yeah. And I might not get back to him right away, depending on what's going on with work, if I'm swamped, but I really do try to message everybody back yeah. and give them pointers on how to get in. And basically you got to start as a PA is the best way to do it. But like, nice. how would, how do you get those jobs? You exactly. got to find out who you want to work with and find a way to contact them. Nice. So, okay. Now we're going to ask about the tools of your trade. You did mention an airbrusher. That's true. Um, But I'm, I maybe, maybe I'll make that off limits. So you have to pick something else. So what gear or gadget is a good old reliable? It's always there for you. Measuring tape. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Okay. Is there a particularly good one that you like or does it not matter? A retractable one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tiny scissors. (laughs) 
Gotcha, gotcha. Now I remember my mom getting me scissors uh, once, and she she would she's a seamstress, and so she oh, would cool. always she would always sew our stuff when we were kids and stuff like that. I mean, nothing like huge, like big time. But she, I remember she got me like Singer scissors, and I think when I was young, she caught me cutting paper with Uh-oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> don't you ever oh, yeah, those gosh. are good scissors i know i know which, where she's coming from <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently paper is bad for scissors yeah. so um all right what about your your new favorite gadget the something that revolutionizes how you work oh. or your you know favorite industry related new purchase right um so there's this company called sync on set i don't know if you've heard of them or not Mm-mm, no but they're pretty much like um an app or like a website that helps you helps you track continuity and it starts from like breaking down a script that's where it starts with and that's like we have to always break down a script in the beginning to know like how many changes a character has and then know like how many scenes um these characters are in with these characters and you know um so sing on sets a really easy way to break down a script and it saves a lot of time and also track continuity. However, you do have to pay for it. So mm-hmm. if you're starting out, and I've done this a lot on short films and um, smaller projects, mm-hmm. you can use Sync on Set for free for two weeks. Okay. So like there is a way to still use it for smaller projects. Okay. And I like to even do a breakdown before an interview okay. for a job because really helps me know the scope of the project, like how many uh, costumes in like the entire project, mm-hmm. you know? And then when I, it, let's say I get hired and then I have to talk about crew and budget with the producers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I need to know those things before I have this conversation. So that's yeah. why I like that program a lot. Nice. Nice. Um, I always have like, I'll just show you. Oh yeah. That's great. A Bible. <laughs> Well, in here, I'll like this is TV, so I'll have like at least four or five scripts for episodes. Mm. Um, I'm always prepping one and I'm always shooting one, but then I might like to have the episode before because of reshoots or inserts mm-hmm. and okay. then the one coming up. But even on a film, I'll have the script, I'll have the breakdown in here. Um, on a play, I did a play. Uh, what I had instead of um, a breakdown. I had every actor's uh, headshot, so I could see like their complexion when I was pulling their costumes, and mm-hmm. I had their measurements. And it was like a cast of forty, so uh-huh. I like all their info in here. Wow. So that's wow. something. I mean, it changes for the job. So yeah, it's yeah. new. But, like it's still my way of kind of staying organized. Yeah. You said forty people. Is that? A lot or would you say that like, okay, oh, I, I just, I just recently saw, uh, was it 30, 30, 36 steps? Um, it was a show where four cast members played over 150 characters. Yeah. So there are lots of costume changes, yeah, that's <laughs> like- but what? I don't know. I I think when you look at a job, if they, if you see something like eighty, or if you see something like five or twenty, like what's typical for I don't know. Say even a commercial. Commercial. What's typical? Uh, twelve, maybe maybe twelve cast in a commercial. Okay. Um, All right. 
Okay, so one of my favorite questions to ask is a significant oh no moment where something went wrong. Oh, massively yeah. wrong. How did you fix it? Okay, I got a story. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, I'll leave names out. Yeah. Uh, but it was my first week of shooting on a new job. And, you know, I get all the costumes approved, which means I try them on the actors before yeah. I get them approved. Yeah. And that and that time when I tried on the actors is usually like our safe place where I I find out if they like something or they don't like something. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to ever push to put something an actor doesn't like on them because like it would affect the performance and your relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you So you have to live in this world of pleasing everybody. Yeah. So that had already happened. So you think you're doing good. You have like all your costumes prepped. I'm just on the truck. Um, to make sure everything goes okay, because then they're going to be on set soon. Yeah. And then this, the actress like walks in on the truck crying <gasps> that uh, she did not like the dress <gasps> and didn't remember trying it on. And you know, it already gotten a- approved by like producers and directors before this moment. And it's going to be shooting in like I think like twenty minutes. It's supposed to be on camera. Oof. Right. Yeah. And I can't just, like change something without getting it approved because it's like for network TV. Right. So uh, I just was like, OK, um, let's look in the mirror together. Like, I want to know what it is that makes you feel this way. I want to know what about about this dress that you don't like, you know, mm. and then like part of the neckline. So she like opened up the button and she was like, this is not so bad here. But then it was like the rest of the dress at an empire waist was like hiding her figure mostly that was part of the problem Mm. you know and I'm just you have to just think quickly and I was like what if it was a top you know what if it was just like a top with a little peplum and you wear with jeans Mm. and that I mean she immediately was like I would love it I would love it if it was Mm. because the problem was gone you know Mm. you could see her shape and she was like, can you do that? And I was like, yep, I think we can, we can make it happen. So I was like, just give me 15 minutes, you know, oh and she left the trailer and I, put, I had to put the dress on the ground because it's the only way I could cut a straight line. And it was a big circle skirt. And we just uh, went for it. You know, I was just like, somebody thread the machine, somebody get the iron ready. And then dang. it was, it was a team effort for sure. But um, dang, it was on camera in like 15 minutes, you know? Oh and then, my gosh. And she and loved it. She did. And then in the meantime, I had to, email the showrunner and just be like, you know, um, so-and-so didn't like the dress. My solution is to make it a top. Do you approve? I had to make it quick, you know? Yeah. And then they just wrote back approved because everybody knows that like getting something on camera is pretty important. And, and it was still keeping the color the same, you know, like Mm -hmm. neckline was still the same. So it wasn't going to affect like her in the scene with other people and their colors. Yeah. So it was just like, <laughs> mercy. And the showrunner actually was there to to reply. That's like, that's awesome too. <laughs> yeah. That particular job, they were, were always on it and yeah. answered like lightning fast. Oh my gosh. I mean, that I think that's a, a, a level of creativity that I think is I, like the problem solving, I think is a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I love those types of that. You got 20 minutes, yeah. you, got a, you got a solution and you're not entertaining ideas. Like, well, do we get another dress? Do we have to like stop things like switch mm-hmm. scenes or, you know, what have you? Like you got it and you got it done. That's amazing. <laughs> it was a small victory for sure. <laughs> and then, you know, like the ADs outside and was like, you know, what do I tell 
the line producer because he's like, we didn't hold up camera, but they just want to know what's going on. I was like, just tell them we had a project runway moment and it's handled. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> tell them that the boss handled it. <laughs> okay. So we have some listener questions from our Insta at practical filmmaker. I post upcoming guests in the story so you can ask some questions. This one comes from Michaela Hounslow in Tennessee. When unspecified, how do you weave a person's personality or story into designs? Okay. Um, so when unspecified, meaning there's not like clues in the script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would probably think about the characters that they're around and I'd make up my own story then, you know, I'd have to be like, well, she's here for a reason or he or they, and I'd have to m- probably make up my own story a mm. little bit, but then, you know, I, you, I still have to dress the scene cohesively. So mm-hmm. then it, it, whatever the other characters are wearing would also affect what I, how I would dress this character. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and this one comes from Rachel Rocca in Michigan. I'd love to know your top places to get unusual fabric and materials. Where do the pros shop? Or are they hunting online in bigger cities and around hardware stores? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's this place in Los Angeles called Rag Finders. Downtown LA. Um, Do they ship? (laughs) They, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they ship, but they, that this is like a place that has like um, old runs of fabric that you can't find anymore. Ooh. And it's huge. You, Ooh. Yeah. You just never know what you're going to find there. And you go down in this basement, there's like a room attached to a room and it's just like a maze of fabric. That place I think is pretty unique. Mood fabrics, you can shop online. Mood always has really great fabrics. Um I do love to thrift too. Um, you know, I, I will take fabric from an existing garment if I'm in love with it and change it into something else. Nice. Uh, she also wanted to know what's your recommendation for sewing forms, brand type, most versatility or quality sewing forms in general, not necessarily just for women or dresses. Um, I like the forms that have collapsible shoulders personally. Okay. There, because, you know, when you're, making something fitted on a person mm-hmm. they have to be able to get in and out of it and when we get dressed as people we put our arms up and it yes. makes us slimmer through here yeah. so unless the form can do that you're kind of like not going to get a great idea of like can they squeeze into this or not you know <laughs> yeah yeah interesting interesting um is there a particular brand that you like to work with Mm-mm, I don't have a brand for that um okay. I've had a few different ones over the years okay nice yeah. How do people find you or follow your work? Shameless plug up. Oh, sure. Um, I'm on Instagram as Heathcock Costume Designer. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I'm on Facebook too, just Ashley Heathcock. And I have a website, ashleyheathcock.com. You could send me a message from my website too. I get those. <laughs> and the one question that I always wrap up with, what question should I have asked you? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm thankful that people want to learn more about this job. You know, it is hard. And I will say that because of the hours, mm-hmm. most people in this industry work minimum 12 hour days. Yeah. And, 
Yeah. And the length of time that you're at work and maybe not at home with your family can be Mm -hmm. tough. That is something that we talk a lot about as well. Just like the practicality of a lifestyle and how it fits in with, you know, because like old Hollywood, it was just like, well, we're going to run you over. And, you know, like if you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen kind of a thing. But there has been a bit of a shift and balance and boundaries. And, you know, we talk about healthy boundaries a lot on this as well. You know, can you think of a time where, you know, for your, for your own good, you said no. Mm. Oh, it might not have been for my own good, no. <laughs> but I will say no, if I feel like something's unsafe, sometimes, you know, you have to go with safety over aesthetics. If it, if it's for a stunt actor, you know, like maybe the shoes don't match and that's fine because they need to be in those shoes because it's mm-hmm. safer. Okay. You know? I think that's when it's perfectly a good time to say no. And then also us as filmmakers and TV showmakers, we go into a lot of locations, you know, to shoot exteriors, you know, that might be like a protected area or like a national forest. And, you know, you just got to make sure that like, we're not leaving a big footprint there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. What we're doing can't be more important than the space we're in. Absolutely. I have seen, I have seen someone, you know, in a situation where like the frogs were loud and we were out in the middle of nowhere, uh, someone asked locations to kill the frogs. <gasps> mm-hmm. And um, I piped up pretty big about that. This was a long time ago yeah. and, and then it stopped, but I was just, I couldn't believe it. You know? Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is illegal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. It is. It is. Yeah. 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 And it's tough to say no. I mean, mm-hmm. I might, I don't know if everybody does this, but like, if I'm being asked to change something last minute, now I understand there's sometimes it's necessary, mm-hmm. but if it's really not necessary and what it's going to take to do that, people skipping meals or people working overtime mm-hmm. or all night, they'd have mm-hmm. to work all night to make it happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like we have a night crew, you know, we have yeah. one girl. Um, I won't necessarily flat out be like, no, but I'll be like, do, do you know what you're asking? You know, do you know what the effects are? Mm-hmm. You know? And like, I will kind of lay it out because how would you know, you know, how would mm-hmm. you know how the clothes wind up on actors? You know, you wouldn't know that someone, you know, sewed on that garment eight hours already, you know, <laughs> Mercy. let me inform you. <laughs> thank you so oh, much. This has so been much. such a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for the podcast and inviting yeah. me to be on. Of course. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for coming on. I think this is amazing. And like, we've gotten a whole, like, I mean, this has started, this has opened the door to more wardrobe style. It's more, I don't know if I even have those terms, all, right? More all of it. We're all of those things. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> and thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this interview, follow us right here and on Instagram, ask us questions and check out more episodes at thepracticalfilmmaker.com. Be well and God bless. We'll see you next time on The Practical Filmmaker.